we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the WTF1 That Time When podcast. As you can probably tell, I am not Matt. Matt's on holiday, so you've got me, Jess, filling in as host today. And I'm joined by our resident F1 encyclopedias and fountains of all weird F1 knowledge, Tommy and Dan. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. How are we? We're good. 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 Ready to talk about some obscure F1 stuff with you. Absolutely. So as you'll know, if you've been keeping up with our That Time When series, this podcast is where we talk about some strange moments and stories in F1 history. Although this week we are sort of cheating as it's technically a story about a sports car race, but it is a story about an F1 legend. So it counts. It counts. So today we're going to be talking about that time when Juan Manuel Fangio was kidnapped before a race. Yeah. So... Let's, I mean, I don't even know where to start with a story like that. Should we Should we kind of do a little intro into who, who Fangio, who Fangio was? Because <clears throat> I'm sure listeners will know his name. Yeah, but, but maybe not know quite how incredible he was. So I think it's important for any sort of new fans to know that Fangio was definitely the um, Lewis Hamilton of his day, should I of, say. Of the first days, really. Yeah, he was the original, uh, you know, he was the megastar of motorsport really um he uh completely dominated the 50s he won five world titles uh which obviously wasn't matched until michael schumacher did it in 2002 mm-hmm. so held for a very very long time um yeah and fangio he was nicknamed el maestro he had the, he ha- he still has the best win percentage in f1 history which i've got here is 46.15% yeah so he nearly won half the races he competed in which is pretty incredible pretty incredible even for the little amount he did at the time you compare that to uh say schumacher his is around 30 percent and hamilton's is 30 like just over 32 percent i think um but i worked out that for hamilton to match fangio's win ratio uh he'd have to win the next 67 races in a row oh wow Wow. (laughs) so that that puts in perspective like how how good Fangio was in wow. his time. Yeah. I mean, do we have Super any idea what how many how many races are we talking about back then? Though? Uh, so he had about eight in the year. Uh, yeah, Sometimes it was, it, five. Or yeah, six. it was like it ranged from sort of six to ten, sort of thing. He did. He, he, so he did fifty-two races and won twenty-four. But fifty-two races, I guess, is like well, how many is like that's Marcus like Ericsson races. done? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, two hundred or something. Yeah, it kind of it puts into crazy. perspective just how crazy the current F one calendar is when you think about how many more extra races we're we're currently yeah. currently doing, mm. and they want to do more. 
Yeah. Which is which is crazy. But you have down here, Tommy, in the notes, 1957 German Grand Prix as the greatest F1 win ever. Why is that? Yeah, I was looking I was looking into some of his wins and um many people believe this is the greatest F1 win of all time. Obviously there there are many epic victories, but if you think that kind of Jensen Button's 2011 Canada win is good, uh his was on another level, so he um he was winning the race, had a bit of a botched pit stop. And um, this is at the Nürburgring, the old Nürburgring, the, the full track. Uh, had a bit of a botched pit stop and lost the lead and seemingly was out of it. He was like 40 seconds behind. Uh, and then in the last 10 laps, he broke the Nürburgring lap record nine times <laughs> uh, and was 15 seconds a lap quicker than... I think it was Mike Hawthorne that was yeah, it's Hawthorne, and, Hawthorne Collins. and Collins who was catching in the Ferrari. So, yeah, pretty mega drive and one that established him. And like people were just like, okay, this yeah. that's why he's still considered one of the greatest of all time, even now. It's worth remembering as well that this wasn't just like an F1 driver like now who's sort of late twenties, early thirties. He was forty-seven at the time he did that drive. So, like yeah. most of his like the height of his career, you think was probably spoiled by the Second World War like a lot of drivers of that time but he was still uh, like unbelievably good even in his late 40s yeah it's crazy to think like what drivers had to kind of come up against back then as well and so he but he famously retired from f1 for for a citing that that it was too dangerous and he didn't want to he was he was the cars were too quick it was too dangerous and he he, he wasn't enjoying it anymore well he sort of 1957 that's when he won his last title and then the following year he did the uh the problem was that he drove for Maserati at the time mm-hmm. but they pulled out of F1 the following year so he had to drive a privately entered Maserati in his home race at the start of 1958 it wasn't very competitive because rules had changed and also the car was like a five-year-old design so he, he sort of realized that hang on a minute this is very dangerous the only car I can drive is uncompetitive and you know quite quite dangerous sort of thing you can't imagine a driver that good not being without a drive i know like there's some midfield people that deservedly be an f1 but imagine like lewis hamilton if mercedes pulled the plug and lewis hamilton was like oh wait i don't have an f1 drive and actually wanted to drive it'd be yeah insane. He, sort, he sort of lost motivation a bit the following year i think i think the uh the drive in the nurburgring as well scared him a little bit because he when he won that race he said i i did things in the car i never want to do again so it's 1958 and this is kind of where our story starts around the Cuban Grand Prix sports car race, which Fangio is taking part in. And this is when it starts to get a little more interesting because around this time, it's kind of in the middle of the Cuban revolution and all kinds of political things are happening in the country, but they still want to put on a sports car race. So yeah, I mean, they had the, the race the previous year as well, which Fangio did actually win. Uh, but yeah, in 1958 was the year in question when this kidnapping took place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, the Cuban Grand Prix was it was set up by the existing government. Um, what's his name? I've got it down here. Um, President Ful- Batista. Fulgencio Batista. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but yeah, he set up the race the previous year because one, it was to try and make people think, oh look, Cuba's everything's fine in Cuba. Look at this massive sporting event we've got. And also to promote the country as like a tourist destination, and there was loads of money. They say like they would pay drivers to come and like handsomely to come and compete in the race. Um, so I guess the that 
didn't sit well with the revolutionaries and they were pretty dead set on disrupting anything uh, that this president was putting on and so decided to descend onto this famous sports car race. Yeah, so like the Cuban rebels, which um, were for Fidel Castro, who... um, this blew my mind actually he um so a year after this fidel castro became prime minister slash president of cuba uh and he was until 2008 yeah which is pretty mad if you think that that uh, how long ago that was and uh how long he reigned but yeah uh fidel castro was wanted to uh he had this rebellion group and he tried to um disrupt the race so his idea was what better way to disrupt the race than kidnap the star driver and completely embarrass the current president. Yeah. So what actually happened? Do we have records of what actually happened at the kidnapping? Yeah. So, yeah. so um, the night before the race, Fanjay was in his hotel, sort of with a few other drivers and his friends and family having a drink at the bar. And uh, nine people came in. One of them had a gu- uh, pistol and just went up and basically said, come with us. And he thought it was a joke at first. Yeah. But then he realised it wasn't a joke, so then he was just basically forced to, to escort it to a car outside with, with this group of people, like, not knowing what's going on sort of thing. Yeah, it was his, he, was, he was in Hotel Lincoln in Havana and, uh, yeah, got kidnapped at gunpoint by the uh, Cuban rebels. Um, and word spread quite quickly around the world that Fangio had been kidnapped. Which I so, guess is which what they I guess wanted. What they, yes. wanted. Um, they wanted to embarrass the government as much as possible. Uh, and many people, I guess, believed that the race would be cancelled or they had to do something about it, like try and find him. Um, but he stayed he stayed prisoner, I guess, for quite some time. And they did actually do the race without him. So how long was he held hostage? Uh, well, he was held he was taken to a location then he, i think he was moved two more times so that the government because the government obviously as soon as they heard that their star driver had been kidnapped they just sent people out to look for him so they moved him around and eventually just stayed in this this hideout um i've got here that as well they um the cuban government uh employed like more um police and bodyguards to look after the other drivers hoping that the same fate wouldn't happen to oh, them right. so uh yeah because they were worried that more drivers might get kidnapped i guess um but yeah like like you say he he went to he was held hostage in three different houses yeah. i got um got down and it was 29 out 29 hours he was held captive yeah. for um nothing out of the like there was nothing too sort of like horrific like no, I don't, no. it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't, a, it wasn't or... a torture or anything like that it was more to prove a point yeah it was he was very much just there you know he was used as bait i guess for them yeah from the outset when they kidnapped him he said look we're literally not going to hurt you and we'll let you go after the race but this is for our cause and we just we're trying to you know upset the the order sort of thing so there was no like he was treated quite well when he was being kept captive so like they gave him things to do and chatted with him and stuff so he got to listen to the race on the radio i, I read as well yeah, they yeah. Had the radio so he could keep up to date with the race what was going on and I've I've heard reports that actually they the uh, Fangio remained friends with his captors post yeah. release. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, is that Stockholm syndrome, or did he just understand the cause and and kind of felt obliged to 
be friends with them which is you wouldn't you wouldn't imagine really that a that a, somebody who'd been kidnapped would befriend their ki- kidnappers but i guess no i think this he, was a slightly I, there different there were some situation. quotes from him that he was had no interest in politics uh he was he had no interest in some of the things that the captures uh were talking to him about but i guess the fact that they did nothing other than use him to help kind of start a new era in cuba he was like well it didn't really bother him very much and isn't there talk of he sent christmas cards and stuff to them or all sorts yeah um well when he when he years later in i think the 1980s he was working for mercedes-benz and he went to sign a trade deal with cuba and he actually met the person behind like the whole kidnapping operation there and was treated really well (laughs) and uh at one of his birthdays i guess they were in charge yeah 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 and um yeah, uh, one of his birthdays, he's got uh, on his 80th birthday, he got a message saying from your friends, the kidnappers. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, at least they could is... see the funny side in it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But the the race itself wasn't exactly all laughs and sunshine at all, was it? No, no. it didn't go, didn't go to plan. I mean, uh, the race already having their star driver kidnapped wasn't the greatest start. Uh, and then within six laps, uh, one of the drivers crashed into some spectators, uh, and I think six or seven of them were killed. Yeah, uh, the driver was quite severely injured, uh, and yeah, sad- sadly that was very common in yeah. that kind of era of motor racing. And but weren't there rumours that Fidel's um, rebels had actually? poured motor oil onto the track itself I didn't, to try I, didn't and, that, no. I think I read somewhere that there were there were rumors that that it was it was Fidel's uh Fidel's people but that's I a think, pretty grim like yeah, way yeah. of doing it. I mean, uh, absolutely but I think I, I think what it, it came to light actually that it was um it, it you'd was, hope if they'd it wasn't the case kidnapped can, uh, Fangio and done it in a sort of non-brutal way that they wouldn't have to resort to yeah. kind of like screwing up I with mean, the race the thing is they they delayed the race by an hour and a half still, like, still hoping that they could find fangio and that he'd be okay uh, to just jump back in a car yeah, yeah, and do exactly. a race can you and, imagine just like oh i know you've been kidnapped and probably gone through a pretty traumatic experience <laughs> but do you want to win this non-championship sports car race because uh, <laughs> we've got a race to do um yeah and that, and, but the thing is but because he'd been kidnapped and because it had instantly become like global news it attracted so many fans to the race so i'd imagine there's probably a bit of overcrowding going yeah on. and then even worse that that horrible incident took place with everybody watching it's, it was kind of like a double whammy for um batista yeah not a not a good race i mean that's weird that they ended up with more fans at the race yeah maybe some of the like formula one races that need a bit of a boost spectator wise oh, just, just like kidnapped, just kidnapped vettel. vettel or something yeah, before yeah. the race well it's funny because we still talk to this day about how um important even though these f1 races and for for countries and cities and tracks to take part in f1 it's a lot of money but they do receive a different level of attention you know we've had tracks like um you know I think we can safely say a a track like Baku has been added to the calendar to try and increase the awareness of Baku as a destination. Yeah, Um, yeah, absolutely. It's not it's not changed in that sense that when I was going to say that actually when you were talking about it at the time that you know having a a race so you can have um, bring people to the country and because I'm 
will be first to say that I didn't know a thing about Azerbaijan before no. the Baku yeah. uh, started a Formula One race. And well, we've been three times. Yeah, now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is our, is this, this is our we're going third to be yeah, third time. So yeah. Going to Baku. So yeah, I think, you know, you can, you can see the importance that, that motor racing brings to people, uh, to places even, and, you know, the economic benefits that they have, but also that they then can become a, a case of, of of being targeted as well which in this case it played a massive political move for the rebels yeah um and as you pointed out a little earlier it then led not too long afterwards to fidel taking over and and well yeah the 1959 race was cancelled because it was right in the sort of heat of of, uh, fidel castro's revolution so um they didn't end up doing the race in 1959 but then did do it one more year in 1960. And yeah. it's not the first time we've ever had kidnapped. Is it the first time we've ever had a kidnapped F1 driver? I just think so. I know of, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't think of any, mm. any. Well, let's hope that we don't get yeah, absolutely. any future ones either. Well, has anyone seen Adrian Sittil recently? <laughs> Who? <laughs> I haven't seen Esteban Gutierrez for a while either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're just enjoying... The, the quiet life the quiet yeah. life so yeah. maybe the, yeah uh, that's, that was another thing about uh, Fangio Le- he retired later that year because he was just he, he did the Indy 500 a bit later on in place of F1 races because he was being offered a load of money to do it and he was just his heart wasn't in it anymore um, and there's a there's a well not a theory that being kidnapped was part of that because he it made him realise that he was an important global figure and he didn't want to be subject to that sort of thing again, potentially. So he just... Yeah, I mean, I read a lot about how much Fangio had no care for politics. I mean, you hear some things where, like, racing drivers use their platform, I guess, like, slightly less um, extreme, but like Lewis Hamilton, like, you know, he pushes his, uh, uh, like, you know... Uh, anti-animal cruelty and veganism and all that kind of stuff and plant diets and all that kind of stuff on his Instagram but Fangio very much had no interest in politics and I imagine yeah part of it was I I don't want to I don't want to live this life I just want to be a racing driver yeah yeah which I think is the case for a lot of drivers even today yeah that was a prime example of that I think yeah Yeah, no social media or anything just wants to be a racing driver end of yeah but there we go. Okay, so a little insight into how an F1 world champion played part in the Cuban Revolution. Um, but that's all from us now. Hope you found this as interesting as we did, or at least I did. I learned quite a lot, as always. From have Tommy you enjoyed and Dan. Lear- learning? Being I learned. always enjoy learning. It's always good to to have is fun. different stories learning is coming fun. in. Um, but please do send us stories or topic ideas you'd like us to cover in this series. You can tweet us using the hashtag WTF One Podcast, or send us a message on Instagram. We always have fun looking into the weird and wonderful world of F One for you guys. And if you've enjoyed this episode or even the series so far, do make sure you're subscribed for more and give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. It's really appreciated and helps us out. A lot so thank you we have had a good few reviews recently since we've started asking for them so thank you very much yeah keep it coming guys because we love to see what you think of this podcast series so that's it from us our next that time when podcast will be looking ahead to the spanish grand prix in a few short weeks um and until then thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time bye bye Bye. (laughs) that's our thing now (laughs)